a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in, Ute fans. This is the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com. I'm your host and Utes insider, Trevor Allen. Man, coming off of some breaking news, if you are listening to this, the Big Ten has decided to resume football and play their 2020 football season, and they will begin at the end of October, the weekend of October 23rd and the 24th, which means, as of right now, when I'm taping this on Wednesday, September 16th in the morning, the Pac-12 is the only Power 5 conference that is still not going to play their college football season until at least January 1. But, as you've probably seen throughout on social media, Commissioner Larry Scott has been making the rounds um, on national shows such as Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, um, he was on College Game Day, that they're trying to work out a way to be able to potentially move up the the start of the season to potentially the end of November, which is about the time that they want to start college basketball. So we could be going from not doing anything, Utah fans, and just hoping for all of this to happen to being very, very busy with football and basketball starting at the same time. But the thing is, of what the Pac-12 was trying to do, and Commissioner Scott has been saying this while doing the rounds nationally, is that he wants to kind of be in sync with the Big Ten and work out something with them, whether that is playing a Rose Bowl later or potentially doing some other things with them. As of right now, Larry Scott, his hands are tied. And I know a lot of you out there are blaming the commissioner, and there's a lot of things to blame him about, but this isn't it. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying that, you know, Larry Scott is to blame for this. He's not. Because half of your conference right now is not allowed to have contact practice. Although NFL teams in those states are allowed to play and have already played, but not for college or in high school. And that is Oregon. So you have Oregon, Oregon State, and then California government is not allowing either, so that is the four California schools, Cal, Stanford, USC, and UCLA. So if you're going to play, what are you going to do right now? Are you going to only have half your league? Because that would take away two teams from Utah's division, and that's the uh, Southern California schools. And then in the uh, North division, that's four of your teams, which would leave the Washington schools. And the, the commissioner, 
put out a statement following the Big Ten news on Wednesday saying, quote, At this time, our universities in California and Oregon do not have approval from state or local public health officials to start contact practice. We are hopeful that our new daily testing capability can help satisfy public health official approvals in California and Oregon to begin contact practice and competition. We are equally closely monitoring the devastating fires and air quality in our region at this time. We are eager for our student-athletes to have the opportunity to play this season as soon as it can be done safely and in accordance with public health authority approvals, close quote. And that was a statement that was obtained by KSL Sports. So there's a couple of options here. And you've also probably seen on Twitter players from USC, from Oregon, heck, even Utah's jumping in on this, urging public health officials and governors for both California and Oregon to allow them to play. So hopefully with the news of the Big Ten playing, that that could help maybe urge the public health officials for Oregon and California to say, okay, look, you guys can do contact practice, especially now with this new testing capability as the Pac-12 partnered up with Quidel, which for those of you who don't know, it is a, a corporation based out of San Diego that allows schools. And from what I, from what I've heard is that they're like testing machines is like the size of a toaster, but it, it allows you to test student athletes daily and it gives you rapid results. And that was one of the main issues when, when the Pac-12 decided to not play in the fall was that they didn't have anything out there that did rapid testing. And you can get the results in a matter of 10 to 15 minutes, which is huge. So what does that mean now? Hopefully within the next week or two, both states lift up those rules and say, okay, you guys can start practicing. And then that means that we can get into fall camp probably within the next two weeks. And I think when it's all said and done, the Pac-12 could potentially begin around the time of the Big Ten. That's my hope. And to me, I think worst case scenario is the end of November when Commissioner Scott originally thought that, that this could work. Once, once they get all, all the uh, testing equipment in, Every school is supposed to have them by the end of this month and then start testing. But I think the absolute worst case scenario, and I think that this would be absolutely crazy, ridiculous, is January 1 is starting your your season. And I think the only reason why it would ever come to that is because the public health officials for Oregon and California did not have a change of heart, which with this testing capability, I don't know why you wouldn't. It makes sense. Just let them play. Still allow them to opt out, as a lot of players already have within USC, within Oregon, and other schools. Players have already opted out and are getting ready for the 2021 NFL draft, which is completely fine. I understand it. I know everybody else does. It makes sense. But for those who want to play, let them play. Because they know of what the risk is by by going through this. But I think having that daily testing will help you eliminate those who who get the virus or around people who who tested positive for COVID-19. Now another option. And I think that this is I think I don't even think this is plan B. I think this is plan C, D, E or F because it doesn't make a ton of sense. But 
it is a workaround to what the government is currently doing for the uh, California and Oregon schools. Is you have the four California schools and the two Oregon schools play in another state. Maybe they all go to Nevada. Maybe they go to Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Idaho, Washington. And you have them play there. Because it sounds like you're not going to have a ton of fans if you do have fans at all. As you guys have seen over the weekend when, when the NFL season started. That there was a select few fans at the Denver Broncos game. Which was like 500 people. And it was just friends and family of those players. And staff members. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Kansas City Chiefs are the only other ones that are allowing fans right now. So the fan part isn't the big deal, which I know that that would be a big reason why you would want to stay in your state. Hopefully it doesn't come to this, but maybe they go play off-site so that we can get a season rolling. Because I don't see the Pac-12 starting a season without half of their conference. Especially the heavy hitters such as Oregon, USC, those schools bring in eyes to national television. People watch those two teams primarily. I mean, yeah, people in this region will watch them regardless of whoever it is. But nationally, if you want to get eyes on that and if you want to get the most out of your television revenue, you want your, your heavy hitters to play, such as Oregon and USC. But I think that that's worst case scenario is having them play off-site. And that would be if the government and the uh, public health officials in both the state of Oregon and, and the state of California do not agree to allow those schools to have contact practice until January 1, or even maybe until November. Because if they don't allow contact practice until November, you're going to have to push your, your season back even farther. And it's not like you can ask USC... Oregon, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, to not have contact practice and not practice tackling because you saw what happened to Navy when they played BYU. They lost 55-3 to because none of their fall camp practices had any tackling drills, and it showed in their game against BYU. And they got walloped. They got worked. They got demolished, dominated. So let's make it happen. You guys can find the uh, stories of the uh, Pac-12 players sending letters, notes to public health officials in California and Oregon, urging them to play over at kslsports.com. Now we'll do uh, On This Day in Utah Football History before we get out of here. So today is the 16th of September. As far as recent memory, in 2006, Utah beat the Aggies 48 nothing, and then in 2017... So just a couple years ago, they beat San Jose State 54-16. to But on the 15th was a pretty awesome day in Utah football history. In 2007, the Utes beat number 11 UCLA at home 44-6. to And in 2012, they beat number 25 BYU 24-21. to Now in those two games, in their big win over the Bruins in 2007, Tommy Grady threw for 246 yards and three touchdowns, while Darrell Mack had 19 carries for 107 yards, and a touchdown also had three catches for 34 yards and two touchdowns. And that was just pure domination. And Utah 
they were only ahead 14 to 6 at halftime before dropping 13 points in the third and 17 points in the fourth quarter while holding UCLA scoreless in the second half. And that was when they had Ben Olsen at quarterback. He threw three picks along with 290 yards. And then Khalil Bell had 59 carries. Just wasn't a great game for the Bruins. And then in 2012, of course, that was the famous game where BYU had many, many chances to tie the game with field goal opportunities against the Utes, including the fans storming the field when the game wasn't over. But Utah ultimately, after I think three or four tries, BYU fell to the Utes 24-21 to in that game. John Hayes was the starting quarterback. He had 196 yards, two touchdowns, while Jarrell Oliver ran the ball for 24 yards, and that's it. He was the leading rusher. But Utah got touchdowns from Wesley Tonga and Drez Anderson, while Mo Lee had a 47-yard scoop and score. And then coming up on Thursday, I know a lot of Ute fans are going to enjoy this one. And keep on the lookout for those videos on uh, my my Twitter handle, at Trevor A. Sports, as well as at KSL Sports on Facebook and Twitter. In 2011, Utah went down to Provo and gave BYU a 54-10 shellacking. Jordan Wynn threw for two touchdowns and 239 yards. John White had 174 yards rushing and three touchdowns. For seven BYU turnovers, Jake Heaps had, I think, five or six of them, including fumbles. And Utah had a touchdown from Derek Shelby as he landed on a fumble in the end zone. That was that wild snap where Jake Heaps couldn't control the ball. And then Derek Shelby landed in the end zone. And then John White had a 62-yard touchdown run, a 35-yard touchdown run. V.J. Fajoko had a 57-yard scoop and score. Utah was ahead 14-10 to at the half before scoring 16 points in the third quarter and 24 points in the fourth quarter while holding BYU scoreless. So that's on this day in Utah football history. And just a update, if you guys haven't been following along on Facebook, we're doing an NCAA 14 simulation of what could have been for Utah football. Basically, we are playing the original schedule with the 2020 rosters on NCAA 14 on my Xbox, and we are streaming those on Facebook. And as of right now, Utah's 2-0. They beat BYU 20-10 and then picked up a 10-9 ugly victory in Laramie over the Wyoming Cowboys. I can only change the uh, non-conference schedule. I can't change the conference schedule. So coming up this Saturday will be Utah taking on Oregon State before rounding out the non-conference slate, which I put in the Utah State Aggies rather than a FCS opponent. So make sure you guys check that out. It's what could have been, and we air those on the original game day, so it would have been another game day this Saturday, and I believe it would have been the Wyoming game, but we had to move it. So it'll be Oregon State this week, so make sure you guys join me. It'll probably be around... I'm still working on the time details, but just follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Trevor A Sports and at KSL Sports. It'll probably be around 5 o'clock. So make sure you guys keep your eyes out for that. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Make sure you guys tune in next week as hopefully we'll have news on the Pac-12 getting up and rolling 
when that happens, we will definitely drop an emergency podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is the Crimson Corner Podcast, and it's powered by kslsports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.